Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we are going to talk about some comic books while also being very hot. It is, yeah. it is hot out there. It is boiling. So we're going to become a bunch of sleepy boys while we talk about this comic books. Right, Pete? Yeah, I mean, and what the tough part is, is, you know, we care about our audio. So some of us have to sweat more, you know, so you don't hear an AC going, you know, God forbid someone should be able to be in a nice environment to do stuff. You know what I mean? Pete, here's a little, um, this is a little life hack. If you just slip one little ice cube into your butthole, you'll be fine for the whole (laughs) recording. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, uh, I just like not to put, pull back the curtain too much, but it was a choice. Either we hear Pete's audio with a hiss of an AC in the background, or we hear the distinctive bloop, bloop of his sweat. Pouring out of his armpits because, of course, we're all shirtless when we tape this podcast. Yeah. That's the way we I'm do it to because be. we, I want to be as open and available during this podcast <laughs> as I possibly can, and that means fully nude, sweating with one or two ice cubes in my butthole. <laughs> <laughs> You're bragging that you got two up there now. Yeah, that's, well, that's what you call a cocktail, I guess. Oh boy! Yep. Wow! Yeah. In the winter, I put um, just a t- little um, a little char- piece of charcoal in there <laughs> wow. to keep me warm. Oh, and if you clench hard enough, that's how you get diamonds. Let's kick it off with our first review: Empire Avengers number zero from Marvel Comics, written by Al Ewing and art by Pepe Larraz. Now, if you attended or listened to our live show, we had attended. Dan Slot on. Uh, turns out that attended meaning watched live. We do take attendance, and if you're late, you will get a demerit. (laughs) Oh, boy. Uh, So Al Ewing and Dan Slott and a couple of the editor folks planned out this big cosmic event for the Marvel Universe that is bringing the Kree and Skrull armadas together to attack Earth. Turns out in this issue, there's a bunch of plant folks who are trying to oppose them. They've taken over the blue area of the moon, turned it into the green area of the moon, and they've uh, recruited the Avengers to their side uh, spoilers for the end of the issue. Fantastic Four might be on the other side. Oh, so get man. ready for cosmic civil war. And that's, uh, I have been. Oh, were you, were you about uh, to say? Yeah, I was just going to say, and that's what Dan Slott was talking about, of like why it's so <laughs> important to pick up this issue uh, because that big kind of reveal at the end. Uh, there is a lot in this book, which I'm surprised at, but it just. Make it the first fucking issue. I mean, zero issues just don't make, don't make any sense to me. It's just, if it's so important, why is it a fucking zero? I think because of what you said, right? Like, it's setting up a lot of information and exposition into this issue. And what they want to do with the first issue is get, like, right to the action and skip over most of the backstory with the Celestial Madonna and the entire history of the Cosmic Marvel Universe and all these things. I'm sure they'll touch on it a little bit, but not in the same depth that they do here. This gives them a chance to sit with the characters, sit with the Avengers, get their takes on things, let you understand it and the stakes of everything that's going on versus, again, hopefully Empire One is like a balls-to-the-wall action movie. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, Pete, before Comic Book Club, never picked up zero issues. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you need to because this is a lot. 
and then the first issue is going to be all action. So it's kind of like, do you need to know all this shit? It's sure it's nice. It makes it richer, uh, but it is a it's a lot to kind of uh, before a big event. So let me see if I got this straight. You have only been picking up zero issues for 14 years out of your life. (laughs) That's right. Only because you guys make me. Otherwise, I would never do it. Pete, that's almost 10% of your life. That's crazy. Um, Well, let me throw this out to you, Pete. A movie trailer is sort of the zero issue to a movie, and you fucking love those. Oh, that's true. That's true. You got me there. (laughs) That all said, what did you think about this book? What's your take on this event? Justin? Uh, I like it, especially I like this issue a lot. It gets into some historical stuff, and you get the characters. uh, It it feels like a different type event than so many other Marvel events, where uh, there's like the, the, the our Avengers feel like they're a little bit on the sidelines of the event now, and they're trying to find their entry point. And so we get to... It's less um, just obvious how you don't see the scaffolding as much as it's coming together, and I appreciate that. Pete? Uh, I was happy there was some action in this because a lot of times zero issues are just a lot of talky shit. Um, and, uh, but then it's just kind of also like they go out of their way to kind of introduce sword guy and it looks like sword guy was born in the kind of new sex Island world. So that I was like all kind of excited, but then he's like, uh, you know, uh, looked like he would birth on the X-Men sex Island. So that kind of undercut it yes. a little bit for me. We know what uh, you so- mean by sex Island. Okay. Well, uh, wait, wait. Unless, unless Pete Epstein, actually did you right? did You're you move about to Epstein? a <laughs> Jeffrey Epstein? <laughs> no. Did you move to a sex island, Pete? Is that the island you're referencing, or are you talking about the X Men books? I'm talking about the X Men books. Yeah. No. I don't think Philadelphia is known as Sex Island, but I appreciate what you're going for. <laughs> I mean, it is the city of brotherly love, so draw your own conclusions there, I guess. And in the state of <laughs> Pennsylvania, it is one of the sexiest um, places. This uh, is very true. Okay. Uh, I. I got to tell you, I, I mean, I, I feel like I feel like I'll probably have a different opinion once we get to the first issue. But for me, in terms of ramping up to this event, the zero issue is actually probably important. And the reason is that the entire issue, I'm reading it being like, OK, these plant people are evil, though, right? Like the entire setup is the Avengers are like something weird is happening Things are getting really bad. We need, there's an emergency. We need to go to the moon. Something's weird here. There are monsters. And then a weird dude shows up and is like, all is well. And everybody's like, everything is fine. And finally, Carol Danvers, three quarters way through the book, is like, hey, remember in that incoming book that came out like a year ago when some Korean scroll came out and they were teamed up and they were terrified and they burst into plants? That was pretty awful, right? And Tony Stark is like, you know what? It wasn't awful. And she's like, I think you're right. It wasn't awful. And then they kind of move on from there, which felt to me is like, Maybe they planned one thing when they wrote Incoming and they have a different thing now that they're actually up to Empire. And so they're sort of reconciling those two ideas. But as a reader, spending the entire issue by the end being like, oh, OK, the plant people are not evil. Now I can get into Empire and be like, all right, I understand what the story is, because it was very weird to me the entire time I was reading this book. Well, Wait, it is so interesting you understand the way- because I read this whole thing twice, and I still don't understand what the fuck's happening. Yeah, I think I understand what's happening. Okay. There's these... I mean, this is, again, like, this was set up at Incoming, and there was another issue that I feel like they delved into this a little deeper. Uh, basically, like, millennia ago, there was this whole contest that the scrolls held between the Kree and, I guess they're called the Karate, who are the plant people, And the Kree were like, yes, strength is the ruler. That's the thing. We need to win this contest by killing everybody. And the karate won because they were like, we're going to plant some plants. No, no, no. Karate do not know karate. Uh, They planted some plants, and so they proved that peace was the most important thing. And that's how they ended up winning the contest. So they're this very peaceful group of people, uh, this very peaceful race. The Kree is not. That's the conflict there. Okay. What were you going to say about Justin? Oh, okay. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Pete. 
I was just going to say, uh, I would uh, like to say, and I hope the people at home are thirsty, that the art alone is worth uh, picking this book up. <laughs> wow. Uh, yes, uh, the art is very good. Um, Did you write anything? <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say early because you were... Maybe early, about the plant you... people or something? Oh, I, was, uh, I didn't get it. I was saying I didn't understand what was happening. Maybe you oh. had some... Yes, yes. I, here's what I was going to say. Um, it's interesting now because um, of the way that everything in the last few years in comics has felt so compressed, where there's multiple events always being set up or finishing or whatever across the lines. And the way that um, uh, COVID has affected the publishing cycle, now it's all, it's all out of whack a little bit. And so mm-hmm. I feel like uh, the way that DC has structured their last year, sort of pre-COVID, where everything's happening at once and everyone just talks about it, is actually working a little bit in their favor now, where it's like, oh, everything was a, like sort of a mess, so that's the way we're going. And it feels like Marvel's was a, was sort of constructed in this very domino effect way, and now they're dealing with the repercussions of that because of the uh, two- or three-month delay we had. No. Yeah, I feel like I I was more sold on it hearing Dan Slott talk about it on our show than I was necessarily reading this issue, though I do think Al Ewing, great writer, Pepe Larraz, fantastic artist, so very well done issue, but I'm sort of, I'm personally still kind of holding back until we get into issue one to be fully on board with this event, personally. That makes I sense. That's when the story that makes starts. Sense. That, yeah. Yeah, yeah, wait for it to start and then get on board. Yeah, that's a smart way to do it. Pete, when you think about it, every issue that happens before the issue you're currently reading is a zero issue. Don't don't try to say shit like that. Batman number 93 from DC Comics, written by James Tyner IV, art by Gillam March and Javier Fernandez. This is bringing to a close the big designer storyline that has pitted a bunch of assassins and classic villains against Batman. Uh, Turns out he's going up against the designer here, the person who has been behind everything. Huge spoiler here. At the end, three, two, one. Turns out the designer is dead. He's, in fact, a puppet of the Joker. This was, in fact, all a plan of the Joker, who never meant to go with the designer's plan at all. And, in fact, it's kicking off the Joker war, and it ends with the Joker basically winning and taking Bruce Wayne's fortune. This is great. This is such a well-constructed storyline. Unfucking believable because it was so weird how like Joker was like, oh, yeah, designers doing this thing. OK, I'm just going to wait in the cut. And I'm like, wait, that's not Joker style. Like the fact that he's taking a back seat to all this stuff because they kept being like, oh, also the Joker's here. Also, Batman, don't forget about the Joker. So like this was such an amazing payoff. And I also really love the punchline stuff. I'm very excited to see where this goes from here. This is continues to be an amazing issue and it's impressive to see James Tynan like take Batman and run with it. Go Sorry, ahead, there Joseph. was some wicked fireworks going off in my house. Um <laughs> not at my house, but near my house. Um I uh I I talk I know this is usually what uh Pete's um thing to say but the art in these issues has been so good the way that um it jumps from sort of two different styles um yeah. you, between the the batman focused stuff and the harley is there another stuff is so way cool. that you could say that justin or or no um no i only say things uh one way okay um, all right. just wondering. why is there another way you might throw it out there i would say the art alone is worth picking this up <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> did you know you say that a lot, or did you not know until the Patreon Slack made a drinking game about it? Uh, I, I did, but when someone calls you out on your shit, you're like, okay, all right, I guess I'm not getting away with that anymore. <laughs> uh, from a writing perspective, I really love how... Um, uh, I Sorry, I just wanted to mention that it's the same thing in my day job. Wow, good. Uh, I am a classically trained actor. Um, From a writing perspective, I love how um, James does a good job of telling a very complex story sort of uh, cleanly and moving through the beats so that um, you don't get caught up on all the details. Like, because there's just so much going on in this and the fact that it's all a feint and Joker's behind it. Like, it was all so carefully set up, like really great. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's really impressive. And I'm glad that you pointed out the details because as a line producer, you're very detail oriented. So it's impressive to see you right producer For the 19th time, oh, I oh, am bad. not a line. I'm a creative uh, in most of my jobs. Okay. Oh, my bad. Well, Sorry. Rude to line producers, dude, which, oh. of course, you are one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> line producers union. No, line producers. It's, no, no. The the job that job is uh, managing the budget. It's a very powerful position. Definitely something like that. But I'm not a money person. <laughs> right. Uh, one last note that I want to say about this issue that I liked in terms of holding back on things. There's been a ton of fights with Deathstroke between Deathstroke and Batman throughout this whole arc. And Deathstroke keeps getting bested by Batman. I love the fact that Deathstroke was holding back the entire time. And finally, this issue, we get to see him just jump out and stab Batman right through the leg. Oh, like, that was awful. Deathstroke should be the deadliest fighter in the DC universe. And too many times they hold back on that for the re- reason of storytelling. And it felt so purposeful here to have this last reveal of Deathstroke getting the better of Batman. I thought it was great. Yeah. Sex Agreed. Criminals number 29 from Image uh, Comics by go. Matt Fraction and Chip Zdarsky. It is finally all coming to an end here. This yeah. is an issue picking up on... Uh, Dude, are you, yeah, this title is great, or yeah, this title is ending? Yeah, it's coming to an end. Pete, this is not a title. Pete can't can't handle this stuff. He doesn't like sex or criminals. Right. (laughs) That's true. Uh, Man, this issue is fantastic. Uh, This is picking up on... Uh, do I? I've read so many issues of this book, and I cannot remember their names. But uh, dude's girlfriend uh, ended up in a huge explosion uh, that destroyed the quiet, the thing that they could enter in order to access their sex powers. Uh, and he spends the entire issue destroying the house of the main dude who has ruined their lives. And it's so precise and careful throughout, so well laid out, both from Fraction and Starsky. This issue is awesome. Yeah, I Uh, really liked it uh, because I could read most of it in public. Uh, Then, of course, we had the masturbation stuff. I was like, fucking, of course. But uh, I love the way they went through and destroyed that, especially the way he put the watches on his feet. Like, just so fun for most of this comic. And, you know, then uh, whatever. But uh, this so far is my favorite issue of the run. Wow, what a weird way to end your review Your sort of mostly negative review Would you be interested in a comment called No Sex Punishers? Because uh, I'm working on it uh, Yeah, I, the fact that I mean, this comic The pacing on it has been wildly different Over the entire run And I feel like um, This issue felt really fast And this whole, like, the final arc Has been moving so much more fast much More quickly than the rest of the run um, and I really like this a lot because um, to see the um, the characters isolated in this way, um, there's some fun in here uh, as well as some heartfelt moments where the characters are sort of finding themselves in some way and falling apart in other ways was really cool. It's also funny, Chip Zdarsky going from uh, the artist on this book to now such a, a force as a writer um, is it's funny to see him as the artist on this book, I guess. Yeah, just, I mean, it's clearly a collaboration, like they don't delineate who does what or anything like that, but I definitely get what you're saying, because he is writing these awesome, very serious storylines on Daredevil and other things that he started as the funny guy doing funny art for sex criminals, and it is built to this incredible career. Um, The other thing that I wanted to say about this book is I felt like this could have been the last issue, and that would have been okay to me. Like, to spoil the last two words in it, it's him, as Pete was mentioning, uh, dude, we finally link back to why he got arrested, why he was in jail. He's in jail. He's masturbating, thinking about his girlfriend. She shows up in ghostly form, and she leans in and whispers, honey, I'm coming. And to me, that's Great. like, that is a perfect way of ending this book. I know there's another issue after this, um, but if it had ended here, that would have been fine with me. I agree. Like it definitely, it makes me curious to what the next couple issues are going to be. Yeah. 
Next one to talk about Sleeping Beauty is number one from IDW based on the novel by Stephen King and Owen Qu- King adapted by Rio Ewers art by Allison Sampson. Uh, I got to admit, I haven't read the novel this is based on, but it's weird reading something about a viral pandemic that puts people to sleep right now. Uh, but what did yeah. you think about this book? Uh, uh, fun. Um, it uh, was the the way it was. The art's really great, and it had like this dreamlike quality. So I'm very yeah. curious. Uh, I think it fits the book really well. Um, but since I haven't read the novel, I don't know what's happening quite yet. Um, <laughs> right. With a lot of specifically with a lot of what the character, who the characters are, and what they're doing. Because I think we get the premise uh, pretty well here, and it's really interesting. But I, I, it's very hard to talk to think about what the characters are. Um, I, yeah, I, I'm really impressed with this book. I think it's, it's very interesting. Um, the, the idea I tell you right now, I wish I could be sleeping through this pandemic. Uh, that would be a lot more preferable, but, um, it's very cool the way they're kind of revealing what's happening and what's going on. Um, yeah, I was real impressed with the creativity of the page work and the paneling, uh, a lot of amazing like facial stuff going on. Uh, yeah, and it's kind of like Zelbin said, it's extra creepy because it's happening right now. But uh, yeah, very creative, very cool. Definitely worth checking out for sure. Yeah, I, like you guys are saying, I had a little trouble following the story, but the art by Allison Sampson is gorgeous. It feels yeah. like... Uh, somebody not to take her off this title, but somebody should snap her up for like a, the dreaming title or something like that over uh, on the Sandman line because she'd fit in perfectly. Because you think she can only draw sleep stuff. Yeah, that's fucked yes. up, Zelvin. Yeah, she should jump little... on. Um, she should jump on bananas and pajamas. Um, real quick. One eight hundred mattress. Leave off the last ass for savings. She should draw that. Yeah, Any of that stuff, I think, would be fine. But uh, nothing else. Okay, Thor number five from Marvel Comics, written by Donny Cates and art by Nick Klein. This is continuing the storyline of Thor as the Herald of Galactus. They are trying to stop a black storm that is going to eat up the entire universe. Meanwhile, all of Asgard is just waiting on tenterhooks, trying to figure out what's going to happen. And we get some big revelations this issue that in classic Donny Cates fashion... He is completely redefining the mythology of the Marvel Universe once again. What do you think about this one? I feel like so much of uh, what Donnie does and a lot of um, sort of good writers now is really like plumbing the uh, depths of their characters or the title they're on, the universe in general. And pulling out something, they're like, ooh, I want to just sort of explore this. And we get some great Galactus stuff in this issue where we... Explore, use Galactus's past and sort of um, find ways to spin it and uh, and it, combine it with Thor and have Thor have some fucked up stuff happen to him that spins out of his uh, history as well. And it's fun. It feels important while at the same time uh, new. Yeah, I was impressed. Uh, the art is amazing. Um, really cool storytelling. And I was happy that it wasn't just like what looks like negative Thor, like there was more going on. And it was fun that like the bad guy kind of pointed was like him. You know, I really liked to kind of like a last page reveal and the way that was kind of paced out really felt as big as it seemed. Uh, I thought it was really impressive. Every issue I read of this book, my impression at the end is, oh man, why isn't there more of this? You know, it, it goes so quickly, but it only goes so quickly because I just page through it just voraciously as I'm reading every single thing because all of the character stuff is good. All of the action is gorgeously rendered by Nick Klein throughout, and it's just not enough. It's something that like I always at the end kind of think like, oh, does that mean it went too quickly? And I think actually what it means is it's such an engaging read. I want more of it, and I want the next issue right now. Do so, you often do you often finish up something, Alex, and you're like, "Did I enjoy that?" Yes, <laughs> actually. <laughs> do I like this? I mean, I feel like we're we're so inundated with content across the board. So yeah. you're watching something, you're like, "Is this nice?" Or am I just awake right now? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, 100%. Particularly with TV shows, every single time I do like a mental check-in of, 
did I enjoy this or am I analyzing this for work and to talk about later? And or do am I liking this because I think I'm supposed to let la- what is going on in my brain? So well, just to, just yeah. to be clear, were you talking about your day job just then? I was talking about my day job. Uh, <laughs> nice, great. That's great. Glad we're bleeding that into all of our uh, lives. Thor 5 is great. Definitely pick that up. Rogue Planet number two from Odie Press, written by Cullen Budd and illustrated by Andy McDonald. This is a horror title set in space. Bunch of regular dudes go to a planet and encounter some weird, terrible things. Things only get more terrible and more bloody this issue. In particular, Andy McDonald's art is so horrifying throughout, and the pace of it is so good. We, I think we talked about this with the first issue, but space horror with Alien is kind of overdone a little bit, but this feels fresh and new and terrifying in exactly the right way. Yeah, I agree. Like The, the way that it, it has that fun, nostalgic reference to Alien, while also not at all like ripping it off, um, it, it does bring in so many different, especially this issue. I feel like the first two, the last issue in this one, like reading them together would be, it would help this book a lot because it feels like the premise is set, the trap is set in the first issue, and this is like, oh, it's actually much different. There's all these different factors coming together, and it's uh, tense and exciting. It's great. Yeah, it's very tense. Um, and kind of like after the last issue, when I saw the kind of like, human trees of entrails that is kind of like stressed stretched upward i was like why are you just being so casually around these gross monstrosities and this issue picks up and they're even more casual and the tension is very high and it's driving me insane it's (laughs) great Definitely pick this up, particularly if you want a good horror read. Once in Future, number eight from Boob Studios, written by Kieran yeah. Gillen and illustrated by Dan Mora. Pete, you love this title. This oh. is the second arc after setting up that the, everybody from Camelot is evil and trying to destroy England, essentially. Now we get Beowulf attacking our heroes, who's just a regular dude who fights monsters, and his grandma, who also fights monsters, Pete. What did you like about this issue? This was this continues to be one of my favorite things to read right now. I get so excited when this is in my stack. Uh, and it continues to deliver. And the grandma back and forth is so amazing because you have this grandma who's had so many adventures and lived such an amazing life that all this insanity is kind of like her Tuesday. So it's just fun to be, her being over everything. And then the son kind of experiencing it for the first time, which is kind of like us, the reader, which is really great. And just the fun back and forth and the whole play they kind of do on this of like the when you apologize and the callback just so much fun amazing lore arts unfreaking believable and yes it is worth picking it up alone uh pete let me ask you did you read the zero issue of this book which is the poem beowulf um no no i didn't oh, i think you'd enjoy it because it really sets up a lot of this stuff here and oh, okay. I just want to check, uh, did you mean to say it's worth picking up this book alone, or <laughs> did you mean for the art alone? Uh, art no. alone, just, so, just to be clear. No, you have but... to buy this book alone. This is yeah, a buy, private journey. You, yeah, yeah. just tell somebody, listen, I need a moment alone to buy this book, because <laughs> it's really phenomenal. Well, technically, I mean, in, in this day and age, only one person should go into the store at a time to really be safe because of... Uh, C-O-V-I-D-19. Right, Pete? Yeah, Ooh, don't say it all spell together. It out. Yeah. yeah it's, like, it's like Beetlejuice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like you're being our dad and you don't want to say the word, so you're spelling it out so we don't know what you're talking about. COVID, yeah, I can, COVID, I can COVID. spell Dan, that. Dan, 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 Dan. Uh, yeah, this book is great, and Dan Mora's art is uh, superb throughout. This uh, We've talked about this almost every issue, but it just feels like Kira Gillett write a big budget, high concept action movie, and it's so much fun. Yeah, please yeah, turn agreed. this into an unbelievable movie soon. Or TV series. I love how it, in this issue, the characters are like, well, we don't know what to do now. This is the beginning of an arc. <laughs> <laughs> and then the story unfolds. It's great. It's good. Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey, number two from DC Comics, written by Amanda Connor and Jimmy Pamiati, art by Amanda Connor. 
based on the names alone, I think you know what you're getting into here with yeah. this book. This is Harley Quinn in Gotham, mixing it up with the Birds of Prey. In this issue in particular, she is gutting directly for Joker. And because it's Amanda Connor and Jimmy Pamiati, it's picking up directly on their Harley Quinn run. It's a naughty. It's rude. There's gross, ridiculous jokes throughout. It's exactly what you expect. And it's such a blast to read. Plus Amanda Connor's art, which is reliably awesome as always. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I mean, this is a, a fun book. It is like exactly what you'd expect. Um, and the art's fantastic. I think that is um, sort of worth uh, – it's like what – if you were to have a worth, a value on um, the book, <laughs> like it would be worth it for the art by itself. You know what I mean? Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, um, I do. I do. It, and I appreciate how you're wording it. Nice. Uh, it, it is interesting. I feel like there's so much – there's almost too much going on in this book. Like I would rather have it just uh, winnowed down to – some of the more specific, uh, like Harley, uh, Joker or Harley and, um, the other sort of birds of prey esque team that has come together. Um, but it is, it's still very fun. It's like a car. Yeah, this is really fun. And I love how they kind of get Harley's voice in this. I love this version of Harley Quinn. Uh, she's a lot smarter than people give her credit for, which is fantastic. I love the kind of way she dodges and, and the, the whole, like, just kind of like hamster kind of deal is hysterical. This is Beaver. really, uh, yeah, uh, it's just really a lot of fun and, and really drawn well. It's, it's, it's a great comic. It's funny that you said it was a hamster because there are like one million beaver jokes in this book. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Maybe you didn't get them, Pete. Or you're more of a sort of a hamster in the, in the butt kind of a thing. <laughs> oh, God. Why? <laughs> like a Richard Dale, Richard Gere um, Hollywood rumor. Oh, my yeah. God. Uh, Pete has a podcast called uh, Fifth Gear, which <laughs> oh, <Jesus laughs> explores Christ. that every week. Doctor so Navarro, number three from Valley Comics, written by Alejandro Arbona and art by Jim Tao. This is the issue that I think we've been waiting for since the first one. Yes. Uh, this is about a dude travels from another dimension, meets up with his younger self. They team up to stop an evil guy. Every issue we've talked about so far, all two of them, I guess, we've talked about... Okay, when is it going to turn out that Dr. Tomorrow is actually evil? When are we going to find out that Dr. Tomorrow is actually evil? Spoiler, this issue we find out that Dr. Tomorrow is actually evil. And it feels like a huge relief to read this because it feels like we can finally get to what this book has been trying to do the entire time. Yes, um, I agree. I wish we'd gotten a little earlier, but I do give them credit in the book for as soon as we get past that moment, yeah. they amp it up we and it's like, moment. oh, it's actually a whole other thing. Yeah. So um, I think it, it it felt a little delayed, but I think they, they paid it off. Yeah, they paid it off and made it worth it in, in a fun way. Uh, really fun art. Uh, I love the kind of style of it. I think really think it fits this comic well. Um, yeah, it's kind of been a slow build, but really pays off well. A lot of great action in this issue. This is a great kind of like culmination of everything. Culmination. Culmination. Let's move on to what I know Pete is very excited about. Dead Body Road, Bad Blood, number one from Image Comics, written by Justin Jordan, art by Benjamin Tiasma. This is picking up on the Dead Body Road series that came out from Image Comics a while ago. In this one, we have a badass bartender who takes the pain yeah. to a couple of dudes. Pete, yeah, over this, to you. This is great. I love the shading in this to kind of like set up the different themes and the uh, kind of the different stories. Really amazing. Uh, the bartender is just such a badass, has an unbelievable last panel. I cannot wait for this to get rolling uh, because... The action and the storytelling are just so insane. This is this is going to be a great book, and I'm very excited to get into it. This felt like right over the plate for Pete. It's like a Punisher, small town Punisher uh, vibe to me. Sure. Just a small town Punisher. <laughs> Living in, in, in. All right, let's not. Oh, man. Come on, man. Drinking in a midnight bar, not going out of the bar. Uh, this reminded me of what it was like to be in a bar, and oh, I missed that. Man, <laughs> I cannot wait to get back into a bar and order a drink. It's going to feel so great. 
so I'll tell you, I don't specifically remember the first Dead Body Road. I vaguely remember, and I like Justin Jordan, but I vaguely remember reading it and it being like, uh, this is Justin Jordan trying to do criminal, you know? Mm. But this one... I liked quite a bit. I think you can jump right into this. You don't need to know anything prior about the series. But uh, like I said, it's just like good old honky-tonk revenge story. Um, The art is great from Benjamin Tiesma. Uh, It's brutal. It's good. I enjoyed this. Agree. Yeah. Uh, next one to talk about Immortal Hulk number 34 from Marvel, written by Al Ewing and guest artist uh, Bitch Butch. Jesus, Butch what just happened to you? <laughs> Do you know what it is? I panicked about his last name. Yeah, <laughs> and then you gave and up it, it halfway through the first. His first. Name. Please take that again. Don't. Butch does not deserves a little bit more respect than that. All right, we're going to get a second take on this, so let's cut. Let's stop down. Everybody, let's go back to one. And uh, Alex, take it away in your own time. Bitch. No, Jesus. (laughs) You fucking asshole. Oh, my God. Okay, let's start. We're out of time. We're going to have to go with that. Cut it, print it. Let's move on. I'm so sorry. Uh, this is an issue. Please say his Jumping name correctly to... just one fucking time. You say his name. How do you pronounce his name, Pete? Just say his first name. <laughs> Butch. Geis. <laughs> Great. Uh, so this is an issue. Uh, we kind of tease that the leader has come back into continuity. Again this is showing again. what's been going on with him, not just in the time we've been missing him, but literally the entirety of Marvel continuity through the leader, how it ties into the overall green door thing that Al Ewing has been building throughout Immortal Hulk. Uh, God, this issue, every issue of this is so good. I love the leader. I love his take on the leader. You I love the way that he plays. F- what? You remind me of the leader. Thank you so much. Uh, This, man, uh, I know I've said this about a bunch of issues already, but like, I love this issue because he hits it in all this continuity and makes it work for the story that he's telling in the right way. And it's beyond impressive. Agree. Like this, this issue really positions the leader as like the antithesis of the Hulk in such a smart way. And it's great. This run of Immortal Hulk is is the best comics I think they've come out in the last like three or four years. It's definitely going to be a live on as a legendary run. And Salvin, how's it feel to have your forehead on a comic book? Did, were you excited about that? <laughs> Holy shit! Coming for wow! It. Who's drinking the bitch juice now? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> Uh, yeah, this is great. Pick it up. Transformers, the Terminator number two from Dark Horse Comics and IDW story by David Marriott, Tom Waltz, John Barber, written by David Marriott and John Barber, art by Alex Milt. Milne. Uh, this is exactly what you'd expect. It's uh, the trend. Actually, you know what? I got to be honest. This is not this is not exactly what I expected. Yeah, this is like this is a, oh, a little bit disagree, but I'm curious to hear your take on it. Uh, well, I was really impressed because I was like, all right, Transformers versus the Terminator. That sounds played out. But I really liked how this started. And, uh, you know, we kind of have this classic, uh, you know, Megatron versus Optimus Prime moment. And then kind of like the Terminator jumps in early. It wasn't like this thing where it built up and then kind of like the last page. It was like, oh, the Terminator's here. How's this going to work? I loved it. It was like right out of the box. Terminator comes out shooting. And then it kind of moves forward from there. It was great to see some classic like razor beak, sound wave kind of stuff. Um, I, yeah, I was really impressed with the action of this. Uh, I, I'm not the biggest like Terminator head, but this kind of really got me nostalgic and excited for this series. I really thought the art and the stellar, uh, storytelling really pushed this over the top and made it a solid book. Don't you think it'd be weird if Optimus Prime transformed into a truck and was like, get inside me? Well, that's the whole point of that joke. I mean, I, honestly, I'd be honored because fucking Optimus Prime 
is a hell of a leader, hell of a motivational speaker as well, as we saw in this comic. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, hell of a leader, hell of a motor vehicle. He's great on all fronts. Great tires, it's, full tank of gas. It's funny. Uh, I think I think you and I probably have opposite takes on this, Pete, because I do like Terminator more than Transformers. Ah. And I feel like Terminator is underserved by this book. Like, this is yeah. a Transformers book. And also the Terminator is there. Right. And by the end, they're attacking Cyberdyne Industries, which is like, fine. But it just feels like if you're going to play with the Terminator, and, a, you know, that's all about ter- uh, dark futures, and it's about fate, and it's about, like, robots taking dark over fate. humanity, and but- you have a bunch of giant robots there, and nobody is trying to take them over, that feels like a weird missed opportunity to me. No, I feel yes. like it might get there, but the thing is, to me, it's like, Terminator is like this big. Transformers are so huge. Like that to me should be the story. It should be Transformers, a little Terminator. So I think they got the formula right, but you're, you know, kind of reversed on yours. So that's why you feel that way. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> uh, well, there we go. Uh, let's move on to Seven Days, number seven from Lion Forge, written by Gail Simone and pencils by Jose Luis. This is the last issue of the title about a world that has seven days before it's going to be destroyed. A bunch of superheroes are taking the final fight. Um, as usual, Gail Simone draws great characters and I mean, sets the stakes. Great, great characters. Yeah, she draws uh, like. Uh, she creates characters okay, that are very well defined and the stakes are incredibly high throughout. And even though I wasn't totally familiar with this title, I was still drawn into this issue. Oh, a lot of drawing okay coming from yeah. Drawn? Drawing. Yeah. You love you took that it word. away from me. So I needed to bring it back. <laughs> let me, uh, let me illustrate my opinions on this book. Uh, I, uh, I thought this was fun. I think, I mean, uh, Gail Simone is such a great writer. I think she gets us inside these characters' head and is able to tell a story with characters that, like, you know, they don't have a ton of continuity uh, building up to this story. But it they feel very familiar. And to I, I hadn't read in any issue before this, and to dive in here, it still felt like a great story, uh, and I like where it uh, landed. Uh, cool. Pete? Pete? Yeah. What's up? It's what weird. did you it's, think of this book? It's weird. Your, your video didn't freeze. It seems like <laughs> your brain froze. No, yeah. All of a sudden, you guys stopped talking for a second, and then all of a sudden, it came back on. So I apologize. A lot of times, right, because I had said my opinion, and then Justin said his opinion. So we were waiting for your opinion. Yeah, well, nothing oh, sorry, froze, froze. We were just waiting for you to speak. <laughs> oh, that's weird. Because you guys were like, Justin was talking, and all of a sudden, the cop cut out, like froze for a second, and then you guys were like, P? Um, yeah, we don't need to talk about this on the podcast. <laughs> all right, well, yeah, so my internet sucks. But yeah, I uh, I also, this is the first time I'm picking this up, um, was very kind of impressed with how able uh, quickly I was able to kind of figure out what's going on. A lot of cool characters, interesting designs. I like their wants. Um, yeah, I'm, ex- I'm, I feel like this is a really cool book and I'm going to kind of go back and read more. Die number 11 from Image Comics, written by Kieran Gillen as well, and art by Stephanie Haas. This takes place in a world that is inside of an RPG game, essentially. A bunch of folks have been sucked into it, fulfilled their roles. Some of them want to leave. Some of them don't. Um, what do you think about this one, Justin? Uh, I like this book a lot. I, I've talked a lot um, on this and other podcasts about how I feel that I'm not in Ooh, characters' heads as much, specifically like the X-Men books, uh, characters in the X-Men books. And in this uh, book, you're in the, you're riding right alongside the characters, and I think that feels great. It's a open-world story. Um, it feels like this comic could end um, in two issues or like 500 um, and that feels like there's so much potential here. I like it a lot. Yeah, I think the art is just fantastic. It's almost got like a painting quality to it, which I really appreciate. Uh, I feel like this is a great issue. Like Justin said, we're we're getting a lot of kind of like very important story and like what's happening and how people are feeling about it. 
some fun reveals and uh, love the way it kind of ends to kind of set things up going forward. Uh, I did not see that coming and uh, I, uh, I'm impressed by it. Yeah, one of the smartest choices they've made with this title is not limiting it to D&D, but instead opening it up to the idea of stories in general. So we've gotten things like beyond D&D, it's also Vampire in the Masquerade. And as we find out this issue, it also has like a War of the World style RPG that stuck onto it. And to your point, Justin, that really makes it a very unlimited concept, which is very cool. Batman the Smile Killer, number one from DC Comics, written by Jeff Lemire and art by Andrea Sorrentino. I did not know what to expect for this. Honestly, I thought maybe we had already reviewed this book because I think Jeff Lemire wrote a Joker book that also came out through Black Label. Uh, This is a story of Batman... Is he crazy? Is he not? Is he real? Is he not? Which we've read a million times, but this felt fresh and new and terrifying in a way that I hadn't read before. I loved it. So scary. The cover with the fucking creepy kid on it. I was like, oh, no, I'm not going to like this. This is so fucked up. Yeah, this is like too dark for me in a way that uh, it's almost unenjoyable because it's like. Uh, I'm so attached to this character in this world, and I've spent so many years with Batman and Gotham and all these people. So for it to be all made yeah, up. You guys were roommates for a while, yeah. right? You and Batman? Yeah. yeah. At Juilliard. Yeah, Juilliard. <laughs> Rob Williams was there, and uh, it was great. But uh, I think that it was one of those things where, like, to make it all lie is just too much for me to kind of handle. And, uh, but man, Jeff Lemire is such an amazing writer. This does feel fresh, but it's, it's so creepy and twisted that, uh, I don't want to read it as I'm reading it, but it's so good. I keep reading. Wow. What a twisted, uh, situation you're in, Pete. Um, I think the standout here is the, uh, Andrea Sorrentino art. Like that's what elevates this concept that to, to your point, we've seen a few times before this art really takes it to the next level. Iron Man number uh, Iron Man 2020 number four from Marvel Comics written by Dan Slott and Christos Gage art by Pete Woods. We talked about this quite a bit on our live show, but Tony Stark has thought he is an AI uh, or at least he is a copy of Tony Stark uh, living in a Tony Stark style body. He has been leading a robot revolution against his brother Arno Stark. Big revelations throughout this issue that bring together tons of things Throughout Dan Slott's Iron Man run, how'd you feel about this one? This is the issue that I think really crystallized everything that's happening yep. here and made me really look forward to the what's going to happen down the road. Um, like, I think we get Arno Stark here being becoming the villain that we wanted and Tony Stark um, coming back to becoming the hero. It's great. Yeah, I mean, I liked uh, I liked the Herbie character that's kind of a fucked up Wally, which is fun, uh, although I didn't appreciate his cans joke. Uh, I, I like when Dan Slott's having fun on books. It's just weird that Dan Slott's always wanted an Iron Man book and Iron Man's not in it. So that's a little weird. Uh, but I think Dan Slott's a great writer and it's nice to see him having fun. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with Justin about this one. I enjoyed it, uh, and I'm looking forward to the next one. Next up, Wicked Things number two from Boombox, created and written by John Allison and art by Mark Max Saren. This is about a teen detective who's about to age out of being a teen detective. She goes to a detective convention slash award show to receive potentially an award that instead gets framed for murder. She deals with the repercussions of this episode, uh, this issue, excuse me, <laughs> and, uh, this this book is just so much fun. It's very silly, but the stakes are still there at the same time. The concept is so clear. I I love it. Like this is definitely rocketed to the top of my stack very quickly. Uh, I'm enjoying it quite a bit. What do you guys think about it? I got to say, I, after reading the first one, I wasn't uh, as impressed as you were, Salbin. But this issue really won me over. Um, I'm really on board now. I, at first I was like, there's, you know, the action is not, there's a lot of talking or whatever, but, 
I'm really impressed with the character work and the storytelling and the kind of how this is all going to unfold. Uh, and I also like that uh, one kind of like lady who's in charge who seems mean, but she really knows her stuff. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm now all on board with this book. It, it really won me over. An amazing art. Yeah, I like it a lot, too. Um, it feels really original. Um, if you're a fan of uh, something like Scott Pilgrim, it feels like sort of in line with that, yeah. with a little bit more of a sort of darker uh, take underneath, or more stakes, like really fun. Next up, That Texas Blood, number one from Image Comics by Chris Condon and Jacob Phillips. This is basically criminal, but in Texas. Is I think the way to put it, right? Well, uh, I mean, yes, that's it's a little um, uh, reductive, I think, because I sure. actually I actually loved this uh, title. Like, I think both the writing and art are fantastic. It yes. felt um, like very small town uh, situations. A lot of fun choices with the way that um, the uh, police officer's wife is on his walkie all day, and yeah. there's a lot of great stuff in here. Some good horror reveals. Like, I love this book. One of my favorites of the week. Yeah, this was, I thought like, oh, okay, you know, maybe criminal or something, but more Texas style and like, but I was really impressed because it kind of seems low stakes, small town stuff, but really builds out and really kind of by the end, you're like, holy shit, what is this book even about? So yeah, I'm really impressed with this issue. Like it does such a great job of establishing the world establishing the characters and moving it forward in like a creepy but cool way. A uh, lot of really interesting characters. Uh, yeah, I was really impressed by this. I mean, to be clear, I'm saying comparing it to Criminal as a compliment, like that is a high watermark of comics. And I think art wise and character wise, it really comes to meet that very well. Uh, And to your point, it's it's focusing on a sheriff. It's focusing on a cop instead of the criminal element. Um, But it still has that very slow, careful character dive that's going on as well as this gorgeous art. Uh, Good stuff. And it seems like it's going to be an ongoing series, which I was kind of surprised about. Oh, that's great. I didn't know that either. And I, I believe Jacob Phillips is Sean Phillips' son, uh, uh, the um, uh, the uh, artist on Criminal. Whoa. There you go. Well, you'll never be as good as your daddy, Jacob. Oh, come on. Don't wow, say shit. Like, what fucked the fuck? Up. Why would you yeah. do no, that? No, maybe he will be. I don't know. Maybe he will be. You know what? I Sorry, can't wait uh, to yell at your fucking son, dude. What the fuck? <laughs> wow. Sorry, man. I had too much of that bitch juice today, if you know what yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Uh, Captain America, Marvel Snapshots, number one from Marvel, written by Mark Russell and art by Rowan Perez. Uh, this is part of uh, Alex Ross's line spinning off of Marvel's. Uh, this is a story focusing on a kid who ends up as kind of collateral damage to one of Captain America's storylines. Off of that, he ends up getting recruited by AIM and what happens next I'm sure you'll want to talk about this a lot, Justin, but as usual, just Mark Russell knocks the story out of the park. Such a good issue. God, it stands alone. Like Captain America is not the focus of the book by any means um, and just sort of pops up a couple times um, to do some heroic things, uh, I guess. But the the character, the main character of this book is just so well done and it really like... I talk, I big up Mark Russell a lot because of his ability to uh, write stories that feel very present in the our modern world and society and sort of criticize a little bit what's happening while also just telling a good story. And this issue does that just so well. And Ramon Perez's are always fantastic. Great here, too. Yeah, I really loved uh, how touching this was, especially the way this ends and, you know, talking about like where heroes are needed and where focus needs to be and just really powerful, uh, I think nicely done. Uh, and just the two of them kind of sitting down, looking over the shoulder shot at the end was very nice. Um, yeah, I like, I really liked what this comic was saying. Yeah, this is great. Definitely pick it up. 
Uh, next up, Rick and Morty presents Council of Ricks, number one from Oni Pretz, written by Jake Goldman, illustrated by Mark Ellerby uh, with Phil Murphy. This is, uh, if you've watched Rick and Morty, you know about the Council of Ricks, oh, yeah. which is a bunch of Ricks from every part of the multiverse, all living and working together. Uh, this seems like sort of a prequel to that, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, but like the first Rick and Morty presents that we read I think this very uh, cleverly captures the tone of the show. I think it does yes. a, a better job in this issue than the last one of capturing it. Really felt like this was straight out of the show. Uh, really fun and very cool storytelling. Very interesting kind of twists and turns. I loved all the random shit and the shooting the robot in the beginning was so great. Uh, yeah, I, I really like this book. A lot of fun bits here. Uh, really smart, fun reveals, and uh, of course those goddamn uh, what are they like hidden eye pictures or whatever those fucking things were? Uh, yeah, magic eye posters. Magic oh, eye. Oh man, as a kid, like when I finally figured out how to fucking do that, it was like you know things really opened up. So uh, it was kind of fun. I, <laughs> things wait, things really opened up in your life? Yeah, yeah. Once you kind of got past that. A uh, magic eye thing, you know, it's like, okay, if you really work on things and focus, <laughs> you know, you can get stuff done. So you consider that sort of your puberty? Yep. Yeah. They uh, do that on job interviews, right, Pete? They should. Hey, they one should. last question yeah. uh, before, before you we go. give you the job. Yeah. One Just take a look thing. at this magic eye. What do you see here? <laughs> um, I think, is, is Council of Ricks a direct crib from Hickman's Council of Reeds? No, no, maybe. I don't think no? so. No, I Feels think Council of Reeds predates it. Council of Ricks or Council of Reeds? Reeds. I think Reeds predates Ricks. That's what I'm saying. So Council of Ricks is a, a pull of that. Probably. Got to be. be, right? I don't know. Because, yeah. I mean, it, it's just so similar over the plate here. Uh, yeah. But this book is fun and funny, uh, but that's what I thought. Last one, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Jenica number three from IDW by Brom Revel, Rhonda Pattinson, and Jody Nishijima. Uh, we read the last issue of this and liked it quite a bit. I think it was a big surprise. Uh, it's all focusing on the first female turtle uh, who is teaming up with him. Uh, there are two stories in here. The longer story is about her working with a couple of other mutants to try to find a cure. The backup story is a little shorter and a little, a little sweeter, sort of like a what if type thing. Yeah. Again, I w was very surprised. I thought it would be sort of like a one-off thing with the last issue being so good. But this is great. Yeah. I am on board with Jenica. Yeah, Jenica's really kind of got me back in the TMT world in such a great way. Uh, it really makes the Turtles a little bit more fresher. And, uh, you know, I feel what that guy is going through to try to get uh, you know, the ooze, uh, you know, he's not willing to give up on it, you know, and he's licking it, you know, and there have been times where I thought maybe I should lick some green puddles, but I didn't. Um, yeah, I, I think this is a great Sounds book. Like I'm, really impressed. Uh, <laughs> I'm really impressed with the art and the storytelling. This is a great book. Uh, I agree. I like this a lot. Uh, the pickle juice is the real ooze. So definitely oh, check that yeah. out. Um, I, this book reminds me a lot of Hellboy. If you're a Hellboy Ooh, fan, interesting. both the, the writing and art feels like early Hellboy where there's a lot of comedy and a lot of um, action at the same time. Very fun. Cool. Yeah, great stuff. Definitely pick that up. If you'd like to support this podcast and other podcasts, we do patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang out. Uh, we would love to see you there. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show. Comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. And we'll see you at the virtual comic book shop. Later. Time for another Ice Cube.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.